Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on September 2nd, 2022 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a recap of the House debate on a new near-total abortion ban bill approved by Republicans. We also have some new polling numbers for you in the governor's race since, hey, it's Labor Day weekend, the traditional end of summer and ramp up of election season. In business, we look at new unemployment and consumer confidence data, data, as well as some cash money infrastructure news. We also have an important update for you on boosters, so stay tuned. And an important programming note, we will be observing the Labor Day holiday, and we'll have a fresh podcast for you on Saturday, September 10th. We'll bring you a full recap of what the Senate does with the near-total abortion ban that the House passed this week. And even though we're off, we still want to hear your stories. Remember, it's September. Let's start off the month with some good voicemails at 803-563-7169. Leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail with your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is medium, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending August 27th, there were 12,772 cases of COVID-19 reported to DHEC, a 22% increase from the week before. There were also 11 deaths. There were on average 513 South Carolinians hospitalized with COVID-19 that week, 69 were in intensive care, and 27 were on ventilators. Currently, 52.8% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. And there have been 115 cases of monkeypox, or mpox, confirmed in the state so far. That's up 15 cases from last week. To date, South Carolina has received 4,287 vials of the Genius vaccine from the federal government and has given 1,186 total vaccinations. DHEC is accepting appointments for vaccination at selected clinics across the state via its care line for men who have sex with men, including gay or bisexual men, transgender or gender nonconforming individuals who have had either a sexually transmitted infection in the last 90 days or have had multiple sex partners in the last 90 days. And the vaccine is also available to any person receiving HIV PrEP treatment. People can call the DHEC care line at 1-855-472-3432. You can find out more information on scdhec.gov monkeypox. Okay, we're going to talk about the only thing everyone's talking about when it comes to politics this week, and that's that the South Carolina House sent a new restrictive near-total abortion ban bill to the Senate on Wednesday. This largely approved along party lines by a vote of 67 to 35. The final vote came a day after Republicans were caught flat-footed by a highly organized Democratic caucus that blocked the bill before a last-minute recess was called by Republicans to regroup and strategize. Floor debate was expected to last hours, even days, with reportedly thousands of amendments filed. But debate was cruising along. Early on, a key amendment that would allow for rape and incest exceptions in the bill, a major requirement for more moderate Republicans, failed, with Democrats voting against the measure, along with no-exception Republicans. Moderate Republicans were banking on Democrats to help out with the bill, but instead they sided with extreme Republicans on key votes, even ones that would have improved the bill leading to the ire of some Republicans for not playing ball with the compromise bill and thus making it worse in return. Here's Lexington Republican Representative Micah Kasky. 
It's a shame Ms. Wetmore didn't want to come up and, and talk a bit longer. I was curious to ask her why she didn't vote to make sure that women in this state don't have the ability to have an abortion when they've been raped or are the victims of incest. I'm curious why we're interested in playing political games today to do that. I understand that there's some members in this chamber who have genuine, heart, truly heartfelt beliefs about that, and I respect that. This is not a place where we're all going to agree. I am, however, profoundly disappointed that when the opportunity was presented, members of this chamber chose to play political games. And I guess that's just the state of affairs, and that's how we're going to do it for the next couple of days. Now, Kasky, who himself introduced several amendments which failed, including one to make an exception for fetal anomalies, he was referencing there Charleston Democrat Spencer Wetmore. Wetmore had introduced the Democrats' amendment to increase access to abortion, contraceptives, and sexual education training, among other things. But that amendment failed. Here's Representative Wetmore. We believe this amendment represents the will of the majority of South Carolina. This amendment allows families to decide if, when, and how to become parents. It protects sex education, health care access, contraceptives, IVF and fertility, and keeps abortion safe and legal. It also prohibits late-term abortions, except in the case of the mother's health and life, fetal abnormality, rape, and incest. We believe this represents the will of the people, and we ask for your support. Now, going back to Kasky's point about how the Democrats didn't play ball, well, here's Charleston Democratic Representative Leon Stavronakis, who said that that's not the Democrats' problem. They didn't want any of this. And if statehouse Republicans want to restrict abortion access for women in the state, then they can own all of it. This is not our bill. We didn't pass this bill out of committee. We're not the ones trying to strip the rights and freedoms and equality and healthcare choices away from the women of South Carolina. It's not us. Don't blame us. We're not the ones trying to control their bodies, to tell them that they are not capable or equal in their right to make those choices for themselves. It's not us. So let's be clear. We didn't start down this path with the heartbeat bill. We didn't start down this path with the bills that came before it. We are not the ones who appointed the justices that stripped those rights away from the women of South Carolina and this country. If you don't like it, get your own house in order. There was a core group of moderate Republicans, about 40, trying to work those compromises. But then the thousands of amendments that were reportedly filed were gone. And about three hours into the debate, the House was set to vote on the restrictive bill itself. Republicans quickly called for a timeout, a recess, to buy some time and regroup for about two hours. Newly installed Republican leader Danny Hyatt of Pickens described the caucus meetings like this. We, we knew that this was an emotional, personal issue to everybody. And so we, uh, we made it very clear that it's not a Republican caucus agenda item. We weren't going to try to press anybody to vote any way they didn't want to vote. We also understood that we needed to pass a bill for the state of South Carolina. It was that important to all of us. That was a consensus amongst the caucus members that we have to pass something. We can't let this get by us. 
And so uh, as the day went on, we felt like uh, we were making some progress. But then we got kind of closer to the end of the day and we realized we might need to go back and talk a little bit more. So we made the decision to speak and I made the decision to recess for a little while, go back in the caucus. Uh, I told you it was pleasant in there, I'd be lying to you, but uh, it was a very good caucus meeting. It was, it was needed. And at the end of the day, we, we came out of there ready to go and in a consensus. And that's what you saw when we came back in. Meanwhile, Democrats had a bit of a celebratory press conference to toast a successful strategy. Not something you see every day for the minority caucus, and one that stunned even them. Here's Orangeburg Democratic Representative Gilda Cobb Hunter. What we are saying is that our strategy was victorious up to this point. They are reassessing, and they are very good at arm twisting, and I think we ought to be taking a look at who might come in with maybe a fractured arm, broken arm, something. So we aren't, it would be premature for us to count, uh, and any victory, y'all, is for the men and women here in South Carolina who believe that these choices ought to be left up to them. Representative Cobb Hunter didn't claim victory at the time, nor did she after the final vote, just saying, well, and giving a big grin. Now, understand, this wasn't a typical issue for Republicans to deal with. This is a very emotional issue. There were two major factions, those for and those against exceptions. And the caucus rooms, yes, I'm told there were two, were divided up as such. And I heard there might have almost been fisticuffs. Who knows? A lot of emotion there, like I said. Now, this led to newly installed Speaker Merle Smith to shuttle between the two groups. Again, this isn't like guns where everyone falls into line on some bill. There was division here, and Democrats saw it and used it to their advantage in almost killing the bill and leading to an exception compromise without having to vote for one. While Hyatt and Speaker Smith are taking up the leadership reins and working the caucus, former Majority Leader Gary Simrel played a key role in orchestrating the votes that Republicans took after the caucus meeting. So let's break that down more. We're going to get nitty-gritty parliamentary here. So we're in the chamber. It's around 6 p.m. on Tuesday, and this is the crux of the action for the bill. The first vote was on the bill itself, which, again, was a near-total abortion ban, with the only exception being for the life of the mother. That vote failed 47 to 55. That gave no-exception Republicans the ability to say they voted for a bill without exceptions. But then you say, Gavin, if the bill failed, how did it pass moments later? Mm-hmm. Well, if you vote on the prevailing side, you can call for the vote to be reconsidered, which is what Bluffton Republican Representative Weston Newton did. But before that other vote, a number of other parliamentary motions and attempts to stop the bill by Democrats took place. Meanwhile, in the background, two amendments had been filed with the desk, which Democrats found out about when cloture was later invoked. Now, cloture is another parliamentary procedure that, when approved, cuts off the submission of new amendments and limits debate to eventually get to a vote. One amendment was pulled down, and the only other one on the desk granted abortion exceptions for rape and incest victims up to 12 weeks and requires reporting to local authorities. Now, why 12 weeks? No rhyme or medical reason, according to Republicans. That's just what they agreed on. Now, there is no record of the vote for this amendment, however, because Republicans asked for a voice vote, which gave everyone cover, and the Democrats failed or chose not to call for a recorded vote, which you could find online and in the record. That move only takes nine members to approve, so they could have done it. Now that the bill was amended with exceptions and everyone knew that the Democrats weren't going to break, 
nearly all of the no-exception Republicans had to join the moderates if they wanted anything to move to the Senate. And so they did by voting 67 to 38, with Charleston Republican Representative William Cogswell, who isn't running for re-election, joining Democrats against the bill, and Dillon Democrat Jackie Hayes joining Republicans. Two Democrats and five Republicans chose not to vote. Four Democrats, including Minority Leader Todd Rutherford, and six Republicans, several of whom lost their primaries, had excused absences for the day, including Judiciary Committee Chairman Chris Murphy, who you may recall as the one interrupting Pickens Republican Neil Collins during that Judiciary Committee hearing. His moves in the hearing drew a lot of heat among leadership, and he wasn't on the floor this week because he reportedly had COVID. Now, there are rumblings about his future as Judiciary Committee Chairman. That's something we'll be watching when lawmakers return for their reorganization session later this year. As for Collins, who went viral for his apparent buyer's remorse comments about the fetal heartbeat law, he had this to say to the PBS NewsHour's Lisa Desjardins Wednesday evening about voting for an even more restrictive bill. I hope that we uh, um, cleared as many unintended consequences as we could. Uh, this is a process. It now goes to a whole separate chamber, our Senate. Uh, hopefully they will digest uh, the language that we have. They have something to work with. Uh, hopefully they will have uh, medical expert testimony. I know that they already have. Uh, I hope that we are able to clear as many possibilities as we can. Now, of course, we'll have to see what the Senate brews up on its own. They're back on Tuesday, remember? Undoubtedly, there will be exceptions in whatever bill comes out of the chamber, which is why debate is expected to stretch out possibly over two weeks. But you never know, especially when some senators are saying they're content with the current six-week law that's being challenged in the state Supreme Court. Debate was supposed to go on for hours in the House, but it boiled down to about three hours worth of floor action on Tuesday and about two hours of speeches on Wednesday. Interestingly enough, Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis was floating around the House on Tuesday. Davis is no stranger to being at the center of major Senate debates, such as the gas tax debate in 2016-2017 and his medical marijuana debate this year. In other high-profile legislation that aren't directly his major issues, he still plays a role in negotiations and floor debate. Now, there are 30 Republicans and 16 Democrats in the Senate, which means eight Republicans can sway the vote. Okay, I know that was a lot, but uh, the section's wrapping up here, and we got some poll numbers for you. Everyone loves poll numbers, even though they might not, okay? We all like a little number there. The Trafalgar Group polled 1,071 likely general election voters in South Carolina between August 25th and the 28th and found that 51% would support Governor Henry McMaster if the election was held today, and 43% would back Joe Cunningham, an eight-point margin right there. The poll had a margin of error of 3%. In a separate poll by Blueprint Polling, around the same time, surveyed 721 likely voters and found McMaster leading Cunningham by 11 points at 50%, and that poll had a margin of error of plus or minus 4%. Now remember, McMaster won his first term in 2018 with 54% of the vote. Now, if you thought we we're going to get into this business section without talking about new, fresh, nationwide unemployment numbers, well, you've got another thing coming for you. There's data. That's right. Employers added 315,000 new jobs in August, and the unemployment rate moved up 
to 3.7%, according to the Department of Labor. Still pretty good for being in a quote-unquote recession. Hmm? Huh? All right, we don't know. Now, the Department of Labor did revise July jobs numbers down to 526,000 from 528,000. Still pretty good. Now, August is the 20th straight month of job growth for the economy, and employment is now 240,000 above where it was pre-pandemic, according to Reuters. You want some other positive economic news? Well, you're going to get it. Data. The Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index increased in August following three consecutive months of declines. The index now stands at 103.2. That's up from 95.3 in July. The present situation index, based on consumers' assessment of current business and labor market conditions, also improved month to month. And the expectations index, based on consumers' short-term outlook for income, business, and labor market conditions, also increased. This went to 75.1 from 65.6. So, good August. Give yourself a round of applause, August. You earned it. And let's keep the applause going for the South Carolina Department of Transportation. That's right. They announced this week that the department recently received notice that it will receive access to an additional $190 million of federal funding from the U.S. Department of Transportation for the coming year for road projects in the state. The additional $190 million just announced is federal roads funds that other states and federal programs were not able to use during the past year. SCDOT was prepared to take on the funding because it has qualified projects already planned and has state funds in place to match this federal funding. It's called thinking ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Novel idea for government. Now, the USDOT redistributes funds in this manner each August to states that can put money to work. Now, this is a record amount of money for the SCDOT coming from the feds. Historically, SCDOT has received approximately a third of this amount, and due to continuous planning and SCDOT's robust project pipeline, enabled by the General Assembly in the 2017 Roads Bill, South Carolina was well-positioned to maximize funds available, according to the agency. The $190 million in additional federal funding will also require 20% in state matching funds. Fortunately, look at this, for the current fiscal year in the state budget, the General Assembly provided DOT with $120 million in recurring match money in order to position the SCDOT to go after these additional federal funds. So it's like we're working together to improve the roads. (laughs) This is wild. This is absolutely wild. Speaking of roads, guess what the average gallon of gas costs in South Carolina right now? You want to guess? That's right, $3.42. And again, 12 cents extra of that is because of the gas tax that was increased in 2017, that roads bill that we were just talking about. It's all working here. Got to spend money to get money to fix things. (laughs) And on the way out, a little but important medical update for you today. Break out your vaccine cards, folks, because the top COVID news this week is that the CDC approved the first updated COVID-19 booster from Pfizer-BioNTech for people ages 12 years and older and from Moderna for people 18 years and older. The CDC says that the updated COVID-19 boosters add Omicron BA.4 and BA.5 spike protein components to the current vaccine composition, helping to restore protection that has waned since previous vaccination by targeting variants that are more transmissible and immune-evading. In the coming weeks, CDC also expects to recommend updated COVID-19 boosters for other pediatric groups, so parents be on the lookout there. Now, if you've recently had COVID like I did in the first week of August, then the CDC recommends waiting at least three months for a booster. So me personally, I mean, I'll probably just shoot for the end of December, you know, wait then. 
in the middle of it all. It's cold. Oh, God, December. Now, the shots will be hitting pharmacies, doctor's offices, and other locations shortly, so keep an eye out. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic. And of course, we love hearing from you guys. Tell us your stories. Tell us how you're handling things. It's September. Kids are back. Maybe you're taking a little vacation. Let us know. 803-563-7169. I wish we were on vacation, but yeah. we're not. Gavin needs those vacation stories. He needs them now more than ever. He's been crying this whole episode. <laughs> anything you've heard him say has just been in between sobs. Please, please send us anything. <laughs> anything. AT's tired of me crying. Oh, I enjoy it. I'm having a good <laughs> no, time. No, me, I enjoy it. No, this is oh, perfect. Oh, me, I me. love it. Yeah, I love this stuff. See, I give. I give and I give and I give. Yeah, he knows how much I like it. Anyway, so, Gavin. Yeah. Give us a voicemail. 803-563-7169. We have so many things you could weigh in on. You could talk about child crime names. You could talk about, uh, what, what, can you finish a pen? I don't know if you could. Okay? I don't believe you could. Is right? pizza I'm too hot? It. No. Is pizza Pizza's too hot good. these days? <laughs> Are the millennials ruining pizza? <laughs> Are millennials making soup cold? Oh. So, I mean, myriad topics. Click Gavin this story loves the to way find out when more. When people say things like that, it's it's a mere it's myriad topics. Ugh, okay, myriad. Just oh <laughs> god. That's... Anyway, Gavin, we got a call. Okay, no, we yes. got him. Hmm. We got him, baby. Okay, Perfect. you ready? Yes, very much so. Old friend, old caller. Glad he's called in. Okay, you ready? Yes. Are you ready, Gavin? I already said yes. Can you not hear me? <laughs> I'm not getting you. I just need you to say, are you ready? Just nod if you're ready. <laughs> I need an audio and a visual confirmation. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to take this as all as one big yes and go ahead and play it. Hello, this is Ben Davis from Greenville calling in to comment on South Carolina's, uh, I guess, disappointing place in the life expectancy chart. So low. Uh, but I do want to comment that we have way more fun. Uh, we eat fried chicken on a biscuit, and we have gravy and uh, grits and uh, all the great things that we enjoy here down in the South. So we live more in that shorter period of time. Now, I'm sure AT will live longer than the average South Carolinian because he doesn't live life to the fullest. He hasn't yet enjoyed chicken on a biscuit yet, but I'm sure that it will come soon. I also want to mention uh, that uh, your friend who wants to name his child Arson should read uh, the chapter in Freakonomics about naming your children. Uh, they, they did an economic analysis of what names uh, ended up with the children with the best economic outcomes, and there are some really interesting stories in there. Uh, the, the first one was, um, the, this family that had twins and they named one son winner and one son loser and the interesting results in their lives. And then a, uh, a individual who was brought to trial for vice crimes and, uh, her name was Temptress. So anyway, Freakonomics chapter on names and the economic analysis about what names lead to the best economic outcomes for your children. Check it out. It's a good read. And hope you guys have a great week. 
Ben, always looking on the bright side of things there. Let the good times roll. I'm with you on that one. Live Moss, as AT says. AT, of course, I, I came up with that. Yeah, I came up with that. Oh, I'm I'm sure to be cursed with long, long life. <laughs> um, but that was super interesting. The reference there to Freakonomics, naming your kid your kid's winner and loser. I mean, come on, who? That's mean. That's that's messed up. Now I am a twin. Uh, yes, obviously named Gavin. Colin is my twin brother. I think he's better off than I am. I I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a podcast. He doesn't have a podcast. That's true. So he's so, nothing. He's no one. <laughs> in this day and age, if you don't have a podcast, folks, well, I don't want to say it. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but you can understand what he's but I saying. Think, you know? I mean, my mother was going to name us. We have an older brother, Nick. He's older by a year about. Mm-hmm. And she was going to name him Nick. So kept that. And then me and Colin were being named Nolan and Nash. She had a big Crosby, Ugh. Stills, and Nash thing. I would have been Nolan. Could you imagine where my life would have taken me if I was named Nolan? I, I, I don't even can't. think about it. Which name did they have first, Colin or Gavin? Do you know? Um, I don't. My name, I think my dad likes to say that he came up with it. Like some, he had like some rugby player friend. He, he also played rugby, like was named Gavin. I'm like, my mom's like, that's, that's a lie. He doesn't know anyone named Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> it means Scottish hawk or white hawk. So Scottish hawk. I think that's I can what it see means. it. I can see it. You know, I'm, I'm sure have this that hawk I'm sure eyes, you, this you, hawk you shaped came nose. Out, your mom looked at you and was just like, hawk. "This kid looks like a hawk." Hawk, white hawk. hawk. <laughs> oh, it means godsend or white hawk or falcon. Oh, I can I can relate to every single one of those. Okay, yes, so absolutely it's originate male name originating from Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't swerve off the road there. <laughs> it's a variation of the medieval named Gawain. G-A-W-A-I-N. Oh, Gawain I know. That. Like Gawain, Sir Gawain. Which yeah. means God's under White Hawk. And uh, Sir Gawain. <laughs> Gawain? Sir Gawain. Gawain. Gawain? Gawain? <laughs> He's a knight at a round table. Yeah, yeah I was going to read that. I was going to read that part. <laughs> You're ruined. Spoiler alert. Shut up. Gawain? Ugh. Gawain. Yeah. Ugh. That's Gavin, what you're named after. Gavin, Gawain. <laughs> oh, Gwain. <laughs> Gwain the Rock Johnson. That's you, bro. Um, oh, there was an Australian rugby league player. I mean, he didn't, my dad didn't know this person, Gavin Allen. Mm. I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now and I don't see my name as a, a prominent Gavin. <laughs> I'm surprised that you don't Google your name all the time, truly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? I've only met a couple Gavins and it's always very, very odd when it happens. Uh, yeah, I don't know many Gavins. I know you and Gavin Rossdale. I've never met Gavin Rossdale, but I mean, you know, glycerin guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, usually I just can't have more than one Gavin in a social group, but yeah, it's just I too mean, confusing. It's a Highlander situation and there can be only one. Yeah, I get it. I understand. But uh, yeah, so that's, I guess what we're talking about today. <laughs> I will say, I'll bring up one other thing, Gavin, before we go, because Mm -hmm. we are going to take a long break. We're going to go into Labor Day weekend, right? Yes, yes. And so I'm assuming that it's going to be like a a lot of the country is going to be cooking outside. We're going to be grilling and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I have a question about hot dogs. Okay, Gavin? Yeah. Not if it is a sandwich. We've already decided that it is a sandwich. (laughs) Okay? I'm not Uh, even going to say a word. I want to know, Gavin, what do you like on your hot dog? Oh, if ketchup belongs on a hot dog. Of course it does. 
I do not think so. Oh my god! I don't god. think so. Can we? We're not even going to have this. We're not doing this right now. We're not doing this right it, now. It's a mustard vehicle. People are throwing their phones. They're cursing their Alexas. They're swerving off the road. You probably just caused a car accident. Did you even think about the people driving? No, they had a, they had a problem when you did who, your Scottish accent, but now they've really crashed. Think you are to tell me what kind of <laughs> condiment is appropriate? So let's for this talk about meat. the ideal uh, glizzy coverage for you, Gavin. Yes. Let's talk about it. Ketchup, mustard. If relish is available, throw it on there. Sweet uh, relish or dill relish? Yeah, I mean, usually it's sweet relish, but if I have dill, I mean, I'll take it. I'll do both, baby. I'll put I everything really, on there. I I'm really not crazy don't like about that. the chili. Chili's always just a little too messy, but I'll eat it. I'll do it. You're I'm crazy. not putting cheese like on there because I'm not crazy. I don't need the extra calories. But if you do it, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you what you can and what you cannot put <laughs> on this hot dog in America. And that's why I'm asking you for your vote in 2022. Vote, Gavin, 2022. Vote hot dog. Um, pro hot dog. Oh, I'm pro hot dog. I'm actually I just not think, pro hot dog because of the colorectal cancer, like we've talked about yeah, before. Yeah, new studies every single day telling you how bad those babies are. But man, However, do they taste so good. However, if I'm so going to do it, I'm going to have that one. What do I want out of there? Me and Russ McKinney are big chili dog folk. Okay. We always go out, get some chili dogs. We're sad when Sandy's closed. Yeah. We love going to Max. We love doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, Rosewood Dairy Bar. And I think, and if you get a if you get a chili dog all the way at a traditional chili dog place, Love it. it's mustard, onions, mm-hmm. chili. Yeah. There's no ketchup on those babies. Well, not if you got a, chili not on there, you got. I mean, there's a little red sauce action going on with that tomato based chili. So <laughs> Pro- I mean, probably, it would be yeah. weird to put ketchup. I think on there, I'll let that go. But it does belong on there if it's not a chili dog. I do not like ketchup on a straight up hot dog. Uh, I can't. I don't. You, I, I like. I, what do you, how do you? What are, what are your feelings on sauerkraut, Gavin? Oh, I mean, as a German, yes, <laughs> a Deutscher, <laughs> <laughs> motherland, yes. I mean, part German, part French Canadian. Is that your German Scottish. accent also? <laughs> it's the same as German and, and, and Scottish. <laughs> Scottish, mate. Scot- German. <laughs> Oi, mate. Oi, I'm a mate. German. Nine, mate. <laughs> Nine, mate. <laughs> Well, Gavin, Octuliba, I think we've offended everybody. So say <laughs> yeah, Alfeder saying, say choose to everyone, saying. say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I've crossed everything off. Uh, adios. I've crossed everything <laughs> off my list of offenses today. We've we checked them all. Um, folks, thanks for listening. If you're still if you're still listening, please call weigh in. We just asked some really important questions that we have to get to the bottom of, and we need your help to do that. And you can do that by calling 803-563-7169. You can leave us a one, two, three minute long voicemail. You don't even have to leave your name if you're that worried about voicing your opinions about some of these things because they can get pretty spicy, as you heard. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We love those as well. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. You there? Why did you leave me? I didn't go anywhere. It said you had a problem. That's nonsense. I have it's full specifically bars said G. Gavin Gavin underscore problem backslash virus. <laughs> virus virus.